Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to this Easter edition of the Rugby Banter, the alternative place to get your holy rugby commentary. Uh, I'm joined here by, uh, as always, Matt. How are, we, how are you? And, and, and good Easter uh, to you, by the way. Good Easter Monday. Uh, happy Easter. Isn't Easter Monday family day? Uh, I think on the calendar. Don't know. Asking the wrong guy. But yeah. Whatever. But uh, nice to have you no, here. Fair enough. Alex. Nice to, have, nice to be here. Yes. Mm. Alex, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Adam, and thank you for having me on. Laka, no, it's uh, great that you could be here on a public holiday. Uh, unfortunately, Ben is not here. He is feeling uh, unwell, a little bit under the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he did chip in for the Superbrew episode, which will be following this that uh, soon. But yeah, we we will be taking his role in his stead and try representing him the best we can. So uh, Ben, if you're out there, we wish you getting better, and uh, yeah, well, we look forward to having you back on the show as soon as humanly possible. So, um, let's just quickly have a quick look at the news. I have been, I know there's a lot of European rugby action on there. It's uh, rest in peace, English rugby. Sarah, uh, I think Saracens, they got knocked out or something of that nature. A couple of the Irish teams, they made it through to the semis. Uh, but from the injury side, it's probably the most newsworthy thing I could bring bring about immediately unless you guys are something to chip in. Josh Good, Jack Goodhue, excuse me, Josh is the brother. Yeah. Jack Goodhue <laughs> will likely not be playing uh, against the Jaguars after carrying an injury. Uh, Milani Nanai, he picked up an injury for the Blues against the Sharks, so that'll be interesting when we get mm. into the Blues. Uh, it'll be interesting to chat about that. Um, otherwise, I don't know, guys. I don't really, I haven't really seen too much that, that's trending. It's uh, Cricket's been stealing the headlines uh, mostly over there's the last There's been week. one, speaking of injuries, there's been one tweet I saw that from Le- uh, Sapuanga himself. Mm. Uh, it says, oh, I'm, yeah. all, I'm all good, not my Achilles. Probably just gout. Back at it in two weeks. <laughs> gout? Uh, he's just no, joking. He's, he's just joking. Oh, okay, so, yeah, yeah, I, I do get told that. I, I literally yeah. don't understand. I think, it's, I think they, 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 they said it's a class one mid-calf tear or whatever. Uh, yeah. So, whatever. so he'll, be back. he'll be back soon. Okay. He'll be the other week after they buy. He's going to skip as well. So. Um, all right, um, so I'm just going to whoop, I bring up those European results so I don't do them as justice, but, but while my, my very slow internet loads, uh, let's just begin with the look at the first game of the week uh, that we had on Friday, um, which hopefully we all watched, public holiday. It was the Chiefs versus mm. the Highlanders, a, a good game, but the Chiefs ended up coming out 27-22 winners. Uh, Alex, what were your thoughts uh, on, on the Chiefs uh, squeezing out another hard-fought victory? Um, yeah, like uh, I think Damien McKenzie played some of the best rugby he's actually had all year, to be honest. Um, yeah. He looks quite comfortable. At... Couple of yeah, okay, off. sure. That's, that's true, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe I'm just a bit dazzled by like his open play. He does make it look so pretty when he gets a bit of space. Story. And I still think that he, he's really good at, at 10 for the Chiefs. Um, obviously, for fantasy rugby purposes, we'd all like him to be at fullback. But <laughs> um, yeah, like it was good. And... Um, yeah, I thought Messam was actually really, really important for the win because he provided like a real sort of maturity in the short, the short passing game. So just off the back yeah, of the, he, the racks, he, yeah, he would often just be there as a first receiver. Yeah, or whatever. I was gonna say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was really good. And like, okay, Highlanders, we just spoke about Lima. Very unfortunate for them, for him to go off early. Um, and Ben Smith was up to his usual tricks. Ben Smith just, you know, he. 
gets in those situations where you just can't touch him. It's ridiculous. But it just wasn't enough. They just don't have enough across the park. Like, they're missing key key positions, I think. Yeah. Um, just quickly, quickly just step in here just at those results Leinster they ended up beating Saracens in the European Champions Cup Munster they beat Doulon and Scarlet they beat La Rochelle I don't have the uh, other quarterfinal results in front of me but just ensure we get the results correct but moving on to that yeah um, I think fair points about McKenzie I know he got charged down one of those charged downs directly leading to a Highlanders try but overall very impressive Chiefs performance Sean Wanui grabbing the winning score for them at the end and overall I, 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 the Chiefs impressed me they they also running a little bit on empty in terms of player stocks in certain positions but like the Crusaders they managed to grind out results and as you mentioned Crusade, McKenzie's growing into that 10 role I, I do miss him at fullback but they've got Solomon Alamanu who's been very good in the wing moving into 15 jersey he was very solid and then uh, Tony Pulu uh, I know that amongst, mm-hmm. we've discussed in the group that Oh, he doesn't seem to be exciting, but he seems to be a very much a, a low error player uh, in that in that respect. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a yeah. set of safe hands. Yeah, and I mean, I, I still don't rate him to be honest. No, he's not very big. But I don't know. He seems a very reliable choice. And and then um, Charlie Ngatai, he came back on. He was actually critical, especially in that second half when the Chiefs were under a lot of pressure on their trial line by the Highlanders. So I'm glad that he's back. He is a quality player. I'm just very interested to see where he's going to slot back in. He, was, he did start the season at fullback. And I wonder if they'll move him into 12 because I know the Chiefs are struggling there a bit. Uh, overall, good game. New Zealand derbies always throw up some good stuff. Uh, Naholo is excellent, uh, that must be said. Fletcher Smith, uh, deputising for Lima Soporanga, he, he had a good game. I know they didn't win, but uh, again, calm head in the shoulders, uh, very solid. Justin Hempipo, he was all right. Um, yeah, I just think the Chiefs were a little bit smart and took the opportunities. Also, the line-out throwing for the Highlanders was despicable in the last five minutes. I can't remember who the replacement hooker was, but at set piece, I know that their coach, Aaron Major, he would have been few yeah. at that. There two. It's uh, Pleasant Taters is the backer. Yeah, that was yeah. poor. And I remember Sam Kane saying after the game, uh, talking to the New Zealand reporter, that yeah, they shouldn't have kicked, <laughs> they shouldn't have kicked it out. They should have held it for those first two minutes. I think we're all a little bit surprised. Mm-hmm. When no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? why? Why just keep the ball? But uh, yeah, overall, um, they they earned a victory again. A good game. New Zealand games are always tough, uh, tough, niggly, and, and mostly high quality. Uh, Matt, anything else from from the game that stuck out for you? Over the Chiefs Highlanders? No, yeah, I, I don't know. Highlanders did all right. They just were a bit unlucky to lose the game. I mean, Naholo's first try was mm. yes, he only ran like a meter and a half, but to get himself in that little spot was, I think, fantastic. Mm. Fletcher Smith didn't do too badly, you know, coming off the bench as the replacement ten, especially against a side like the Chiefs and yeah. McKenzie doing his best. He's best at being most pro- probably giving Barrett a good run for his money mm-hmm. as the All Blacks ten at this rate as well. So I reckon, yeah. Highlanders were a little unlucky to go into this or come away with the loss after the end of this game. I enjoyed watching it though. Yeah, you, you know who. My last, my last thought um, is is just because you're talking about night type possibly coming back in at, at twelve. I I will lose my shit if they don't do that and if they keep Johnny fucking Fauli in the yeah, centres because Jesus. he's oh, nice. he's in the he's in the fucking he's in the echelon of of JJ Engelbrecht yeah. and George Whitehead for me. Like he's. He does not have what it takes to be a uh, super rugby like player. His one cross kick nearly picked out Tony Pooley, but gee, he's overrated, hey? Even the he's rubbish. Like I, he doesn't do anything. Like he's not good on defense. He's no. not particularly fast. He like he doesn't bust up like 
someone like Karevi does. I, I really just don't see his value. Like he does everything like poorly to average and does nothing well. Well, you know who they could play at 12? Brody Retallick. Again, he was, he had, uh, Retallick would be a fantastic. He would be better. Yeah, he he, he better. was a monster. Like, we don't need Actually, to go on about how good he no, was. Again, I would but... put, put Retallick on fullback <laughs> just for those high balls. Cause I mean, everyone else is jumping. Retallick just sort of lifts his arms up to like half. Yeah, Retallick, he, he's, he is out. He's definitely in the four block uh, in the competition. He's been outstanding. Again, uh, another monster performance. Even at the end there, he was busy pushing down the line, going through the middle. Again, a uh, fantastic performance from him. I don't want to. Wax lyrical about it. It'll get me weepy. It was so beautiful to watch uh, from him. But yeah, uh, good game. Uh, Chiefs deserve the victory. Uh, Highland is a little bit unlucky. But uh, next week, the Highlanders are on the bye. They could probably use the break. The Chiefs face the Blues. Great time to face the Blues, I'm sure. Uh, if you check out our Super Bowl episode, uh, you'll just hear our thoughts on that. Now, the other Friday game, <laughs> the Australian rugby Phoenix uh, did not even resurrect itself from the ashes. The Hurricanes bullying the, the Rebels after going behind like 19-6 or something of that nature, winning 50-19. Ben Lamb, the new phenom on the right. Julian who? I know Julian was on the field, but you kind of forgot about it. Ben Lamb, our standing yeah. with four tries, along with Lamape Evans and Barrett, uh, with, with a lovely little dummy, by the way. No look, no look little dummy. Look over there. I'm mm. going for the try there. Yeah, Big result. Uh, Matt, uh, I'm, can you take the devil's advocate position? If you're a Rebels fan, what went wrong? Why were the Rebels... Uh, why they fall apart after leading quite convincingly and being quite strong in the first 20 minutes? Um, because they're an Australian rugby side, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, let, me, um, let, me, let me let me pose this question to you guys. All right, yeah. the best the best player for the Rebels is all right. Well, let, let me let me do it this way. Best players for the Hurricanes probably in order. There's a bit of debate for this, but oh. overall the best players number one probably Bowden Barrett. Hmm. Uh, number two, okay, this week specifically Ben Lamb. Oh, yeah. Number three, you know, Nani Lamape. Number four, oh, sorry, TJ Perinara, probably mm. number two. Shift the other guys down. Then still you've got, like, Brad Shields. You've got, um, like, Julian Sevilla, obviously. You've got Jordy Barrett. Like, you know, you can you can stack up who the best players are on that team pretty well. Best player for the Rebels, Amanaki Mafi, right? Obviously. Yeah. Second second best player for the Rebels, Will Genia. Yes. Easy. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Who's, the third, who's, who's the third best player for the Rebels? I, I can tell you Adam's answer. Uh, no, well, but I, I want to know like, in this game, objectively, no, no, I, objectively. I will not say Ulysses. Ulysses uh, was great a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Moneyball, he will be back. Uh, he, he, uh, I don't just mean in, I don't, no, I don't no, no, just no. mean like in this game. I'm saying no, generally uh, speaking, you look at the Rebels squad and you're like, uh, who is the Rebels' third best player? Like, I don't know. Their third best try scorer at this rate is Maddox, but I mean, shit, he's not that great at rugby. But uh, can probably, score, probably can find it. Overall. Reese Hodge, maybe? Yeah. He didn't see a lot of ball. Um, and then Corey Betty, he had a horror time, but it's just that, that the Hurricanes just started bullying. Well, that's a fair point. It's a fair question. Beyond, like, uh, uh, Reese Hodge, Reece like Hodge is a bad. maybe. They, they don't have a good team. Like, they don't have a good team. Oh, like, Dan, like, you know, you know what? You, you know who? Like, I just remembered he is missing. Dan Halepetti. I think he'd probably be their third best player. Uh, head and, head and shoulders. Like, their, their, their third best player is probably Adam Coleman um, for his position. Like, he's good. Yeah. But, like Adam Coleman's not going to carry you to victory against the Hurricanes. No. So, that, that like, you know, what are you guys doing out there? Like, you just can't do it. Uh, I think this is hopefully this is now the the, the, the prophecy of the imploding Rebels by yeah. slamming together two sides and hoping for the best. I think the I think this might be the start of that implosion that we were all hoping for. Well, we were by all. I mean, all of us besides it. you, Adam. That's not going to win the Aussie Conference. I think they. They'll still, yeah, they'll still probably win the Aussie, Aussie, Aussie Conference because like, I'm sure they'll take home victories against the rest of the 
Patriots or whatever, but like <laughs> this whole thing, I mean, the Aussie pundits have been so gleeful with like this new wave of Australian results, but this is what the whole conference system was like set up to achieve. It was specifically designed so that Australian teams could get more home games and therefore more superficially attractive results. It didn't work for South Africans because we have the Curry Cup, so we, we see those games anywhere. It didn't work for the yeah. New Zealanders because they just get points off each other and they probably get screwed over because before they could, they could in theory have all five of their teams in the, in the Super Rugby uh, playoffs, which now is much, much harder for them. So really the only, the only people this whole conference system benefited was the Australians. And that's why like they, the whole thing is just superficial because when it comes down to it, as soon as they have to pay a half decent team in the form of the Hurricanes, they just fall apart because they still are the same crappy rugby players that they were before. <laughs> well, I don't know who out of okay, look, they, uh, uh, the other teams, the other New Zealand teams they have to play. I think the proof will be in the pudding. And that look, I do, I do think that they got shocked a little bit, and we did warn about this last week that they hadn't played a New Zealand side, and they're going to get their asses handed to them. We had them by the Hurricanes winning by 17. We weren't even close. They won by 31. Like I'm interested yeah. to see how they perform against the other New Zealand teams. I'm, I'm not quite sure which one they miss uh, since they only play four in terms of the format. But yeah, uh, they got um, their asses royally handed to them. Just a quick quick mention about Ben Lamb. Um, I know we, we spoke about him a little bit earlier. Uh, another All Black wing out of nowhere. Uh, he's got seven skills, mm. pace, power. As I said, you guys in the group, he looked like Julian Sevilla two three years ago. He's a, a class yeah. act. I don't know if anything mm. further to add. Like I know um, the players outside oh. him create the tries, but. Yeah, he looked yeah. good. Well, maybe good. we can make maybe we can talk a little bit about like your comparison of his to Sevier because I think it is like an interesting way of, of looking at players. Like, I don't think I, for me he isn't that similar to Sevier, like I said to you, uh, during the game, hmm. um, because I don't think I don't think he looks to collide as his first option. And Sevier normally no, like especially his, around, yeah, yeah, especially when Sevier was like twenty twenty one, he would just front up to guys like the same way that Lomu was able to do. Um, mm. And he could just fuck anyone up, you know. And even when he was, um, you'd often see him on the crossfield kick or something, or like just with a huge break on the 50 meter line, and him taking on the covered defence. And he wouldn't look to step inside. He wouldn't look to dazzle them or bamboozle them. He'd literally just pick his line and challenge the fullback to run onto him. And then nine times out of ten, he'd bounce the fullback and score the try. And I just don't think Lamb. Does, does that like I think he's capable of it hmm. physically, but I think mentally he's like he sees space a little bit more than Sevier does. So I think if anything he's he's more dangerous in a way. He's got the potential to be more dangerous. Well, he's because got, he's got a little bit more to his arsenal. Well, he's got some sevens pedigree to him, and I think sevens yeah. sevens in particular is very beneficial to backline players forwards. Mm, I think the jury's out. On that, look, I think a fair point. Uh, ben and Jenny tries to attack space uh, rather than, than run through through guys. But interestingly, he's actually playing on the wing Sevilla used to play for. Uh, Sevilla has switched wings, uh, which I know, uh, Um Rugby, who uh, we'd like to say he's a friend of the show, even though he doesn't talk to us. He um, he, point, he, he pointed out that they'd switch wings as well. And I know it's apparently easier to pass the left, blah, blah, blah. But the guy is a finisher, as you showed against the Highlanders last week. Uh, even this week, uh, gets low, attacks the line. So he just appears to be a class act, and he's quick, and he's big, and he's strong. So, uh, yeah, future All Black. I don't see Junior Sevier still maintains his power. You can see it, but he's lost his pace. Um, he's lost a lot of speed, which uh, I'm afraid is a wing. You really need it. So, uh, massive performance by the Hurricanes. Oh, Matt, will you please see Gareth Evans try? Uh, running from almost the 22, yes. bursting through the hole. Yes. 
No, it was fantastic good. to watch. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that hardworking player. And you, you can see he even couldn't believe his luck how he managed to make it through. Same as Lamapi. <laughs> Nobody touched him. It's like very poor tackling. So. Yeah, Lamapi, I think, so used to being the guy that sets up the try for everyone else so that when he actually goes <laughs> for the try, yeah. it's half a surprise to him. He sort of looks for the guy to give the ball to on the, on the try line. Yeah. All right. Look, that's going to wrap it up for the Hurricanes. Rebels not. Game of the week. Right, we, we, first of all, I'd like to state on behalf of the Elite Rugby Banter podcast that we always want South African teams to win, being South Africans ourselves. And we have given the Sharks, uh, Robert Dupree Sharks, an endless amount of shit because they have been shit. Uh, absolutely goddamn awful. Uh, suddenly, out of nowhere, the Celsius Sharks produced one of the, 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 probably the greatest overseas performances by a team. Look, the Blues were pretty bad too, but in part because of how good the Sharks, where the Sharks beat the Blues 63-40. I know we all watched the game. It was absolutely absurd. Uh, Matt, uh, I just want to... How good was Jean-Luc Dupre? Uh, his, his, his coming back from injury, his timing is beautiful uh, for the Sharks. How good was he uh, against the Blues? He was, he was outstanding. Yeah, he was sort of the... It was, he's definitely been something that the Blues... Uh, the Blues... The Sharks forwards have been missing this whole time. There's de- or him... I don't know, between him and Thunderbolt, really. Oh. Maybe mm. you, the two coinciding together actually might have been been something. Because, yeah, there's definitely, there was definitely a sort of resurgence... A resurgence to form in the Sharks side. Especially up front. But, yeah, let's be careful, though, not to sort of blow the Sharks' horn no. too much. No, no, no. One, one, as, as Ben <laughs> says, one good performance. One good one flyer doesn't make a bouquet. No, no, definitely. But I think we need to recognize um, what a magnificent Yeah, no, definitely. Was. Credit where credit's due, but, yeah. And, and uh, ben, ben, he did mm. tell us, uh, since he is sick, that he claims credit for the victory because <laughs> he, he motivated the Sharks uh, to do well. Uh, another guy who was quite impressive, Alex, was Kerwin Bosch. At fullback. The, the magic formula has been found. Kerwin Bosch at fullback yeah. and uh, RDP <laughs> Junior at 10. Who would have thought it, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that is that has been what they've been doing, though. Like, so this wasn't the first week that we saw that combination. Um, but it was the first week where it, it kind of clicked into place. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe it's got also a little bit to do with Andre Estes and coming back because True. as such a big force in the center, he does have the... the um, <clears throat> the ability to kind of draw defenders in. And the whole idea or the concept behind Kerwin Bosch as a fullback is that he needs space, right? I mean, the guy's a midget. He's like 180 or something. Um, It's actually not much shorter than I am. Uh, But anyway, so he's quite short and he's quite light and he needs space in order to be effective. The same as Damien McKenzie. So when you look at Damien McKenzie and you ask, you know, why was he so effective at fullback? And we've got, uh, Matt's mom's theory, which is that you know James Lowe always used to cover for him, essentially block for him. Mm, yeah. And on top of that, you had guys like Anton Leonard Brown in the centres, big ball carriers who suck in defenders, and that creates the space for the behind the back pass that gets you know, um, Damien McKenzie cutting into the line from depth at a huge pace and being super effective. And that's exactly what we saw from Kerwin Bosch this week. He played this weekend against the Blues. He played the same way that we saw. Damian McKenzie played last week, uh, last year, for the Chiefs. In my opinion, not quite to the same effect, but there was the same idea behind his same his running idea. lines. Yeah, so I think that's like that's the key to it is that you need the forward dom- dominance, which they didn't have until this week because they were missing Jean Luc and Thunderbolt. Mm. You need the big ball carrying centers in the form of Andre Estesen to make sure that the defending line can't just stay marked up on Wash's channel the whole time, and then you need the confidence in Robert Dupree playing uh, pivot 
for those running lines to actually come into place, so that he isn't just looking to kick the whole time or isn't looking to rotate himself or pop it up to forwards. He's actually got the confidence to just run with the ball and make something happen for the attacking fullback. So it all came together for a really good performance. Yeah, and uh, Robert Dupree's kicking was uh, frankly outstanding. It all went through the middle, but uh, something that the New Zealand commentators repeatedly picked out because it has been a thing, uh, the fashionable thing for teams to do is to kick for the corner, go for the mall try, or uh, set, set up the next phase and go for a try. The, the difference between the Celsi Sharks and the Blues was literally all the points that Robert Dupree kicked. He kicked seven penalties and six conversions, and they ended up winning by 23. I think maybe he missed one. I'm just one, two, three. No, six no. tries apiece. It was mainly... He, he, uh, he had a perfect kicking record. Yeah, it was yeah. the one one conversion and the seven penalties. So I think... Yeah, but... Hmm? I think, yeah, that's something we've been harping on. I think, yeah, credit to the New Zealand commentators for saying it, but it's something we've harped on yeah. too. The sort of the last art of the three. Exactly. Mm. And they just they slowly picked up points, and in the end, um, bar that uh, eight-minute spell after Corsi got yellow card where the Blues ran and a crap load of tries. Uh, Euro Vakira continues. Yeah, he nearly picked up two by an outstanding yeah. tackle. I think it was a, a try saver by Schroeder that got his leg out. Um, mm. Overall, well done to the Sharks. They, I'm afraid, have, a, have an uphill task up against the Hurricanes. I don't expect them to beat the Hurricanes, but based on this performance, with a fit and firing squad, they can they can make it extremely tough for anyone. Mm. So, uh, Sharks, credit where credit is due. Now, can you try to do it two weeks in a row against the best side, arguably, in the competition? I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, just a quick thing about the Blues, guys. So much talent, but so shit. What's why? Why? Why are they so shit? They got so much talent, but uh, rudderless. The, the the Blues, yeah. Well, that's. But I mean, it's the same problems as they've always had. Like they they don't have the look. We they don't have the platform builders. We spoke about it last year, right? Yeah, they've yeah, got yeah. A, uh, last week. They've they've got a whole team of Quaker Smiths, right? Even Akira <laughs> Oni. I mean, he's a he's like a mammoth, but he's still not a platform builder because how often do you see him? Like getting to the ruck and you know securing the platform, he doesn't even he doesn't do the Brodie Retallick work, right? No. And Brodie Retallick can do the Akira work, and that's why Brodie is such an amazing player because he can yeah. do both. And Akira does doesn't have the appetite for the like the ugly stuff. He doesn't like getting involved. Um, and actually, there's another player who I'm gonna I want to say the same thing about a little bit later in a different game. So I'll get to that just now. Mm-hmm. But that's what it comes down to: is that even the guys that they have in their squad who are capable of, of building a platform like Akira and Patrick Tupolotu, for example. They don't have the appetite for it. So you don't see Patrick Tupolotu just hitting rucks the whole time because he likes to be... He knows he's the most effective standing off the okay. scrum half, which is true, but they need someone else to be doing it then. And they just don't have anyone doing it. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, like, it's like seeing those dream teams put together and that then they never really perform because it's a squad of you know, 15 names. You do need your sort of B-class players, your sort of your sort of lower-class, not lower-class, lower-tier players in a team because they're the ones who will do the hard work. Mm. And, and I think the Blues, the Blues are literally 15 sort of all-stars that all have exceptional skills and all that, but that's all they want to showcase. They don't want to showcase that they can clear racks, they can make tackles and so forth. Yeah, there's a final couple of points. The uh, Blues desperately miss uh, August, Augustine Pollu. He provides a lot of leadership. I think they miss that experience. I don't. I think it was uh, Jonathan Ruru when he came on. He was he was awful. A couple of really bad kicks um, out of hand. And it's, yeah. an, it's, it's an interesting thing for the Sharks. Um, who was slated to start as hooker? It wasn't Chitty Boy. It was Akka. He was slated to start. Yeah, Akka, yeah. Yeah, then he got pulled out, and then Chitty Boy leapfrogged 
uh, Franco Maria, who did come on and provide some impact, as did uh, Quibus and Vic. He, he was excellent, by the way. So yeah. a quick shout out to him. So he's yeah. in the shot for a starting berth. Very interesting. A chili boy, a chili boy had a solid game. Very solid up front. Yeah. Uh, I just want to that what that says about Franco Maria's place in the team now that he's heading. Maybe his team. fitness is a bit of an issue. Oh. Yeah, it might be that they said to him, "Look, you only got you know 30 minutes in you this week." Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know. I it's possible, but I just that seems weird to me because like funny. you yeah. you have to yeah, but like if you, if you got a guy on the bench, you have to contemplate that he might start yeah. the whole like he, yeah. he might have to play the whole game. Yeah. Because if if your starting hooker goes down in the first minute, you got to he's got to play the full game. Like you can't risk having someone on the bench because they've only got one and a half of rugby in their bank. You know, yeah. it just doesn't, yeah. it can't work that way. So I don't I don't know if I buy that excuse. Yeah, that's, that's it, the whole thing was the whole thing was weird. Yeah, yeah it was weird. Um, but yeah, well done to the Sharks and the Blues. Uh, then it gets tougher for them. They they have the Chiefs uh, next week. Ny Kato, Damien Dmac is going to be merciless. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on the Waratahs um, Brumbies game. Very boring. Uh, two a good try. I think the Waratahs first try from set piece was very good. And I Navarro uh, getting both. Uh, major major talking point from this actually two the prince that was promised to quote Ben uh, we we know you're here listening he had a very good game uh, but uh, he couldn't do it all by himself and Israel Falau huge 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 getting injured um, any just quick comments yeah. about this before we pass over uh, sort of win by the Warriors um, but New Zealand derby boring F I mean, yeah very Australia, quick very boring um, just just the one thing I want to say is um, so I said last week that I thought the Warriors would win because Hoop is better than Pocock. I was right about the result, but um, <laughs> Pocock definitely outclassed Hooper. So Hooper's got a bit of making up to do, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Who captains the Brumby side at the moment? Uh, Leila Fano? No, I don't think he's captain. So what is the question? Uh, who's Brumbies. captain for Brumbies at the moment? Um, yeah, it's Leila Fano. Is it Leila Fano? Okay. No, just curious. Yeah, I just... Uh, uh, he's uh, like, so he's the only senior player in the team, pretty much. Yeah, the one yeah no, I'm just I'm wondering how long until Pocock gets it. Yeah, like McCaffrey, like I mean, the loose chair is pretty solid. McCaffrey was alright. Um, just one guy who's been very disappointing is Tavita Kurandrani. He's really done very little. No, yeah. maybe apart from defence. So uh, yeah, another boring Australian derby. Waratahs grounded out the result, uh, but Israel Flau injured. Uh, huge. He's out for the next three to four weeks. So we'll see uh, how the Waratahs progress without him. As, as you've heard me say, I don't really rate uh, the replacement backs on the Waratahs bench, but we shall see. So, and the Waratahs, they face... Who do they face next week? Oh, the Sunwolves. Sun so, uh, Sunwolves, Sunwolves. Yeah, a bit of a... It gets a bit easier. Right. Difficult travelling. Difficult travelling to do. Yeah, Tokyo. yeah, it's true. <laughs> Tra- the, the travel agent's <laughs> choice of podcast. Uh, right, this game, I wasn't... I, unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch it, so you guys can fill me in. Bulls versus Stormers. Go. Anyone? Uh, uh, it was a shit show. Go, go, from the sto- go. I'm gonna say I'm gonna just sort of sum up this. You can sum up the Stormers as just a comedy of errors. They just did not look like a sharp side. Yeah. And and Sia Khaleesi, I think, carried himself to the perfect definition of Ben's luxury playerdom. Did almost nothing and then scored a try and then carried on doing nothing for the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't really want to talk about it too much. Um. It kind of, watching the Stormers felt a little bit like watching the Haguaris from a few weeks ago when I had my little rant about them and how, like, they had really bad decision-making and then nothing just worked for them. Like, the Stormers just played so badly. They just, like, okay, Damien Delende looked okay. He looked like he was trying to make stuff happen. He got a really unfortunate yellow card. I thought, um, yeah, that yellow card was silly. I thought it was, I thought it was very silly. Like, I thought he, I mean, I, I, don't, I haven't watched it again because if he touches the ball... 
when he was coming through, I can maybe understand why because that's kind of um, that's going from from rucking through to playing the ball in the ruck. Yeah. Um, but for me, when I watched it the first time, I, for me it looked like he was just rucking through, rucking over. And yeah, as far as I could see, going, then well. his scrum off could have come behind him to grab the ball. So that seemed okay to me. But even then, like it's not yellow card worthy. I'm sorry. Like I feel like that's such a distortion of what the yellow card is supposed to represent. Um, s- there wasn't any malice in it, in it. Like he was, he was trying genuinely to legally secure the ball. Um, as if far he as made I remember, mistake, so be it. I mean, the ref says he gave a warning, but I don't remember like a proper team warning. The ref just said there was. There have been three penalties. I'm going to give a card now. I don't remember him actually saying, look, next one gets a card. He just sort of uh, went yeah, on his... I think I do remember that because I think yeah, I think I remember him warning Khaleesi just before Did that. Did he warn him? Because, okay, yeah, yeah. because subsequently the Bulls, the Bulls got like a third or a fourth warning on the Stormers line for, for also like slowing the ball down and stuff. And Khaleesi said to the ref, like, what, you know, where's their card? And the I ref remember was like, that. oh, no, no, I've just, I've just given them a warning now. And he was like, Fuck, you know... It just there wasn't it just didn't seem very even handed. So I do yeah. agree that the ref the ref was poor, but I definitely, definitely, definitely don't think that's why the Stormers lost. Like, oh no no, yeah, let, you don't you can't blame the ref on that loss. No, the, no. the Stormers no. lost that game on their own. The Stormers and Adrian Strauss lost this Adrian Strauss beat the Stormers in that game as well. Yeah, jeez, how good was he? And like it was such a special moment as well. Yeah, and, uh, you could see the, the the impact it had on the rest of the team. It just shows yeah, having, you like how how much those intangibles matter. Having um, a totem, so to speak. Yeah, and I mean, because we obviously we talk about like, oh, let's look at the team sheets and who's got the better team on paper. But this is exactly why that's never going to be the end of the story because of these intangibles, like the emotion that you get out of a dressing room where you've got young guys like you know Jesse Creel and Andre Pollard and you know Andre Liebenberg and all these young forwards who are just like right at the beginning of, of their long, hopefully, and successful careers with the Blue Bulls and with Saifkin Rugby or overseas, whatever. And to look at a guy like Adrian Strauss, who's been through the things he's been through, and, you know, he's been to World Cups, he's won trophies yeah. with the Springboks, he's won with the, you know, he's, he's won Curry Cups with the Cheetahs. And, you know, to know that he's with you, to know that he's on your side and that, you know, if you just follow him, everything's going to be okay. Jeez, do you want a tissue? Do you want a tissue? It's just like, are you getting quite emotional there? It's like, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Look, no, I'm no, a huge but... fan of the, of the Vanilla Gorilla. Big fan of the Vanilla Gorilla. The Vanilla Gorilla. <sighs> yeah, well, like, he was disappointing. I'm busy watching the highlights now and I'm up to, I'm up to um, the half. And I apologize to the listeners that I haven't been able to set aside some time. But uh, Easter is family uh, time. Um, I see DDA, he scored a very good try. Um, how was he? DDA's try was lacquer. Um, I just want to say one thing about yes. Strauss, and I'm actually glad he had a fantastic game because what nine times out of ten happens to the South Africans when it's these sort of big milestone games, you know, their 100th cap or their last game or whatever, it's normally a shit show for that player. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the occasion under- gets them. disappointing, yeah. Yeah, the, the occasion often, I think, gets to them, so... I think also just good on Strauss for having a good game, the game that yeah. he had as well. Absolutely. And so I'm actually seeing, oh, this was the card for Peter Stefty Toy. Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Alex has about a 50. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll just give it one more. I'll <laughs> literally give this you, one. this is the first time I've actually seen it. It's a quick hot take. Um, I, he, he's just doing his job. Peter Stefty Toy, the player, I don't know who he ended up racking over, was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I kind of feel like Peter Steff got a bit of a raw deal getting out of card there by the looks of it. So this is this is an ongoing 
problem that I have with, with rugby in general, with the whole sport. Because the way the rules are set up now and have been for the last couple of years is that there's this massive emphasis being placed on outcomes rather than intentions. So we've especially seen it with uh, contact in the air. So when you're tackling a player and jumping for the ball, like George Bridge did, you make contact with a player in the air. And if he falls dangerously, if he falls on his shoulder or on his head, you're looking at an automatic card and probably a red card. And um, one of these examples that I can give for this is Leo Lanzas um, last year for the Stormers, where he slipped. He was chasing a, a high ball, and before he could jump to challenge for the ball in the air, he literally lost his footing and slid yeah, into I the player this. who was jumping. I, I can't remember who it was, but he slid uncontrollably into a player who was in the air jumping for the ball. The player landed dangerously on, on his, uh, I think his neck or his shoulder. And he was fine. He wasn't injured, but he could have been bad. And the ref literally said to him, you made contact with the player in the air, so that box is, is checked. He landed dangerously, that box is checked. Therefore, formulaically, I have to give you a red card or something stupid. And there was zero possible intention. There's no negligence, there was no intent, there's no culpability. And now I'm talking from a legal perspective, because when you talk about liability um, or you know, criminal or civil liability, you absolutely have to have intention. You can't punish someone for doing something that they didn't intend to do. And when I say intend, I also include um, negligence. So a situation where, yeah, where, where someone ought ought to have known that their action could foreseeably result in that consequence and proceeded with the action in any case. That's essentially the, the, the basic definition of um, negligence or culpability, right? That's a lot so of the here, sort of, I'd argue yeah. a lot of the penalty or cards given for guys jumping in the air would be more, they'd argue more ne- the negligent intent. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, you, you, very seldom you're dealing with a guy who actually like does something deliberately to injure a player, yeah. but it's more about not taking proper care. Yeah. So, yeah, you didn't you didn't take proper care to go after the ball, you tackle the guy in the air, or when you do a spear tackle, you didn't have the proper care to bring him safely to ground. You just ah, no, 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 spear tackle is definitely, there's full intent on a spear tackle. Okay, well, you know whatever, you like, I don't want to get too into yeah. it, but yeah, I think we're on the same page. <laughs> Um, but in, in a case like this, you've got a player, Peter Stiftatore, he's in the middle of a mall, right? Mm. His face is like buried in a, a Blue Bulls jersey, basically. He can't see ahead of him, let alone below him, right? He doesn't know what's happening around him. He doesn't know that there's a, a, an opposing player who's fallen in the ruck and who is now basically underfoot. How is he? How can he possibly have the mental cap- capacity to decide to do something that puts his other player at risk. He can't because he doesn't have the facts available. So he can't make a decision. Like what he, what he did, his action, is not the result of decision-making, put it that way, mm-hmm. which means that when you punish him and when you specifically give him a yellow card, which is a punitive measure, right? It's not, you're, not, you're not rewarding the other team. You're punishing a player. What you're trying to do with that is you're trying to influence him, not to, him and other players not to make similar decisions in the future. And if there's no... If there's no facts that inform your decision-making, you cannot be said to disincentivize behavior. So that makes it a bad rule and a bad implementation of a rule. And it's, it's, it's bad for the legal framework of rugby. 100%. Uh, and there you have it Sorry, from, I'm, a two, I'm from, done. from a two, from a two legal eagles. Uh, a couple of points, Hunter Pollard, uh, looked a lot better. I understand he won the battle of the tens with Jamie Vidimser. Uh, he, he, a more controlled, 
uh, performance. Getting, I think we're kind of getting back to Pollard at his best, um, which helps that he hasn't been injured. He's playing under a coach who understands that he's front foot rugby a bit more. Jesse Creel with another try, playing support. Uh, overall, looking good for South Africa and rugby. Decent for the Bulls. They're going to be tough for anybody to, to tackle at Loftus. Stormers, um, yeah, they take two steps forward, one step back, coming from a non-Stormers fan. They do all right, and they do badly. And now they face well, what's going to be also another fascinating game against the Lions. Next week, both teams are going to be incredibly hungry for the win. It'll be very interesting to see what there is. So, uh, yeah, the, the intrigue continues within the South African Conference. And speaking of intrigue, uh, the final game was the Lions up against the Crusaders. The Lions managed to lose 14-8. Uh, I know we, we were talking a little bit about Mitchell Hunt earlier. Uh, he threw away literally two tries to George Bridge, uh, throwing, <laughs> throwing, throwing, throwing forward. But oh, like towards the end, you could see the game management kicking in. I think uh, one thing that pissed me off was I managed to catch the last half an hour. The Lions earned a penalty. Uh, they were only mm. a, they were five, uh, 14-8 down, and they went for a scrum. And then they got blown for a penalty. If they kicked that, it would have been eight. They could have kicked another one. Are you just bad decision yeah. making? And or, or or take the lineup. Like their lineup's yeah. been pretty good. Yeah. They Franco Mustard can't miss the ball. Yeah, and he's I, I, I feel a bit bad for him. He's been uh, fantastic uh, over the last few weeks in his losing yeah. causes. He's doing everything he can, but I, I, he's looking haggard though. Shame on the on the close ups in the lineouts and they show his face. Yeah. The, the man's wearing the losses on his face. Yeah, and especially his captain. Yeah. And so one of the commentators noted, I don't know if it was Owen or someone else, that uh, he does he does doesn't seem to be talking much. You know, like Warren Wiley would yeah. always be in Oak's ears. So yeah, it, yeah. So like that that's a very good point that they noticed during the game. Is like right at the end, the 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 ref had to have his mic fixed. So there was like an extended break in play while they were yeah. fixing the ref's mic with the time with the clock off. And you're losing at home. That's like when you, as a captain, say, okay, guys, gather up. You know, we need to fucking get our heads in the game. We've got four minutes to win this game. Yeah. We get revenge against the Crusaders. You know, we get an important home win. Like, this is our season on the line here, blah, blah, blah. And they were all just standing around waiting. Like, you know, they, there was just no... It almost seemed like they'd come to terms with the loss already. And they were just kind of waiting for it to tick down. And that's just really poor. Like, that's the mental side of the game, letting them down. I think. No, fair enough. Yeah, and uh, I think a little bit too much emphasis is placed on Michael Marks. That I mean, he had a good game. He still had a very good game, but he can't do it all. So it's a little bit concerning now that the team dynamic that's driven the Lions, um, it's kind of fraying uh, at, at the edges in a particular defense. That's very much a team activity uh, in all things. So I'm actually just trying to bring up the stats uh, just to have a look. But, I mean, there's three losses in a row against what was a professional Hurricanes performance. You ended up losing both of their centers in the middle of the game. I know in New Zealand they caught a second 5 but, but whatever. But, but looking at the stats, uh, the Crusaders, I mean, run meters, carries, they had 20 more carries, beat more defenders, more clean breaks, uh, passes more, more offloads. Uh, both teams, Lions had to make so many more tackles as well, not, which does wear a team. Yeah, they, they, they racked up, they got it a bit closer at the end. It was 125 tackles versus 110, with 31 missed tackles by the Lions. Yeah, the, that, the, so that's the key statistic, the missed tackles and the yeah. handling errors. If you have a, look, have a look at the handling errors, it was something like 18, I think it were like 18 handling errors. Yeah, and then discipline, actually the Crusaders gave away uh, more penalties. Lineouts, uh, yeah, the Crusaders... Lineup was a bit shoddy. So, I mean, the Lions didn't do badly, but uh, again, I, I think a, a bit disappointing. So I, I wasn't able to watch the entire game, but um, 
yeah, they're kind of I missing. I saw a comment, when was it? Hmm? Last night or this morning, I can't remember. There was a comment that the one Jonah is calling Elton a bit of a ruck inspector as well, that he sort of, Scott was sort of one meter behind the ruck the whole time. Oh, instead of getting involved. Is, yeah, or, or standing slightly further back so you can receive the ball in a bit of a, in a bit of space. So he, yeah. he was sort of hovering between the two of either not getting involved or not standing in a decent enough position. Yeah, I, I, um, I call out. Can I call out two players? So go the for first it. player I want to call out is is Quacha because oh. he's not given up sevens, right? And he's basically made the Lions his sole focus. And it was good of him because he he has a lot more experience actually than most of the guys in the squad. Not necessarily sevens experience, but just generally, you know, mm-hmm. he's supposed to be like a bit of a senior player, I guess. And he's been really bad for the last three weeks. He's not doing Quacha things, so he's not. You know, popping up in the line out. I mean, in the, in the back line, and you know, breaking the line very often and poaching. He doesn't poach, so he's no good on the ground. Matt Todd just schooled the Lions at the breakdown, Ooh, and yeah. every time they every time they passed the ball to him, he dropped it. Yeah. He dropped the ball on like four or five times. He was terrible. I'm looking at We're the uh, really <laughs> I'm looking at the official yeah, stats. He, he apparently um, this is from the New Zealand Herald website. I think they get their stuff from Opti. He had five carries, 13 meters, so that's highly ineffective. And he had uh, two turnover conce- turnovers conceded. Tackles-wise, uh, eight tackles, but missed five, and only won one turnover. Yeah. And then in terms of... Dis- and in terms of, uh, let's see here, uh, discipline, he also gave away a penalty. But, I mean, the penalties are pretty evenly spread. But uh, in terms of kicking, defense... Oof, Andres Kutsia, three tackles, he missed five. So he missed more tackles than he made. Uh, Alton, I mean, Alton didn't do too bad. He has eight tackles, made two... Uh, Tambwe, uh, five tackles, missed three. I mean, it didn't cost it too much on the scoreboard, but yeah, as um, and we've mentioned this before, the Lucys, they've had such an important role in terms of the defensive structure. Like, I know Yako Creel was, uh, everybody saw him out in the wing scoring great tries, but his work rate was fantastic, and he didn't miss tackles whatsoever. While yeah. while the, um, even the front rows, they had better tackle stats than Lucys. So, I, as, uh, yeah, I don't know, as, as, a, as a Lions fan, I'm a little bit puzzled about all this, um, and I think yeah. we, we're being shown up in terms of our depth, uh, in, in, in particular, just in I think, positions. Yeah. Next uh, week's going to be a very, or not next week, this week's going to be a very interesting yeah, game. Yeah, Storm was man for man. Uh, their type five, I'd probably say, is, is, equal, is equal or better than the Lions. Not by much, but especially that back row. Uh, Diamani, he, mm. look, he put in 10 tackles, and I'm glad he's back. Uh, we haven't lost him. I know mm. we've been mentioning about him. Yeah, so hopefully they, they can build on the performance. Didn't concede any penalties. But they, looking at that loose trail, they go forward. Um, they, didn't, they in total made a total of 27 meters from 11 carries. So that's two meters a carry, which isn't any good. And, and Franco, he was looking so haggard. He made 60 meters from 11 carries. He's doing all the heavy lifting. Well, there you go. Yeah. Bye-bye. Well, that's why yeah, he looks so burnt out. Is he's, he's the only one working there. <laughs> you know, the tractor. But okay, so so the first yeah, the first call out was Quacker because I mean he's always been a. We've always said he's a, he's not a good flanker, but he's a good rugby player. Yeah. Well, at the moment he's not even a good rugby player, so he's struggling. But the second player I actually wanted to call out, which might come as a bit of a surprise, but it it, shot, it calls back to something we spoke about earlier, is Malcolm Marks. Mm. Because when I was watching this game. Um, what I was getting, one of the most frustrating things for me was the fact that no one was building this platform, right? We've been speaking about it for the last couple of weeks. The Lions just don't have these yeah. platform builders. And I'd look at a ruck and like Matt Todd just all over the ball in the ruck and the Crusaders just owning the, owning the breakdown. And where's Malcolm Marks? 
he's either not not there at all, or he's standing on the side. Like he, it's almost like he doesn't commit himself to a ruck unless he thinks he's got a good chance of getting the turnover because we know he's good at that, right? Yeah. But he doesn't try unless he thinks he's got a good chance, and that's fine. But that you like you shouldn't just concede the ruck. Then you should still be making it hard for them. You should still make their life difficult, even if you're contesting just to slow the ball down, or even if you're protecting your own ball because he doesn't do that either. Because if it's the if it's a Lions forward ruck, he's somewhere in the back line because he wants to be involved with the attack, which is good because he's good at it. But if you're not there getting the basics right in the first place, you're never going to get to attack. So he's almost pulling a bit of an Akira at the, at the moment where he he just like prides himself too much on the attacking rugby and he's not pulling his weight in the basic stuff, in the, the platform building. Oh, I think well, that's a big problem. Warwick Tecklenburg, uh, every every week passes. I miss you. A little yeah. bit more. Well, look, I, I'm... Yeah, I think Squares is under a little bit more pressure, and the Lions are being found out uh, a little bit. It wasn't a bad performance. They weren't blown off the park, so it was definitely better uh, compared to uh, their shit show at the Yogi Artists. So you can build on it, but um, yeah, the South African teams, are, it's almost like they're ending up in the middle of the pack. I need to see if I can actually draw up, since I think that's going to wrap it up for most of the week. Anything else that stuck out for you guys from um, from this from the week's, week's games? Uh, Anything that interests you? Um, Even on Springbok Watch, if anybody's uh, definitely putting their hand up. Um, Damien Phillips put his hand up. I'm going to say this. Damien Phillips put his hand up to just make sure that everyone knew he wasn't necessarily Mm. going to be the Springbok 10. He was like, guys, calm down. Yeah. Was his performance. Well, let's do that. I I think... Let's do that, Alex. You just mentioned winners and losers. I think he should... uh... This, yeah, you, okay. Um, so that's it. Just normally I put a bit more thought into it. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I'm kind of dropping of... it on you. But uh, the, anything that comes to mind, let's just say if we could each name um, okay. a winner and loser from the week. Um, I was going to say it. Um, or two. For a weekend that didn't, I was going to point okay. out for a weekend that didn't have the Sunwolves and the Jaguars, still not the best weekend of Super Rugby we've had. Oh, that's a fair point. No. Eh? What would the competition be like if they weren't around? So Yeah, I mean, it's we still we, we always say, yeah, what do they give or whatever. And in all fairness, the I rugby like, still wasn't the best rugby you'd expect without them. I like watching them. I'd rather watch, okay, the Hagwaris are hit and miss, but generally speaking, I'd rather watch the Hagwaris or the Sunwolves than the Brumbies, for example. Yeah. Uh, thank you. No, I think... Largely everyone who enjoys um, enjoyable rugby. Yeah, actually, do you, ask, do you want to do winners or losers, or uh, maybe just pick out one or two guys that are putting their hands up for the spring box? Next week, we'll have a bit more structure. Uh, I promise. I'm just kind of drop, dropping it on you. Because uh, we're, we're, we're running up to uh, end time. so just Yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, the guys who played this weekend, no one... I mean, everyone who performed well is... It's like, it's no one who, on the, as far as I can see, no one on the fringes really mm. were, were the guys performing the guys who performed were were in the the sort of let's say the buck 23 so it wasn't yeah. like there were new names putting their hands up so it's difficult to like say it's what you expect it's what we actually want to see is the guys who were doing well were the guys who should be there well I think uh, yeah. Robert Dupre did his Springbok chances a world of good after a pretty awful uh, couple of weeks along with his butt uh, Jean-Luc I think he is mm-hmm. uh, mission critical for the box we definitely need him um, I was just, oh, I was just, I was just highly impressed by the Sharks' performance. Everybody seems to be putting in the right direction. And Kerwin Bosch at 15. I think that would just be my major, major takeaway for the week. We'll call it the week takeaway. My major takeaway for the week is keep Kerwin Bosch at 15. 
He is not. Even if, no matter how much he complains and bitches and moans. No, he is a 15. Same as Pat Lambie. We do not want him to be the new Pat Lambie. Pat Lambie was always a better 15 than 10, but he wanted to play a 10, but someone got in his mind. Kerwin Bosch must, for Pete's sakes, please keep it at 15. He's a quality rugby player. He's certainly better at 15 than Andres Kutsia. He works hard, but he's not of international quality. So, uh, and uh, Matt, a takeaway? Just a, a takeaway for the week for you before we wrap up? Mm, nothing, fuck. Um, yeah, nothing that I hasn't haven't said yet. No real new points for me, so you can must skip me. All right, uh, skipped. Uh, Alex, just a, a final thing for you for the week before we wrap up. Um, again, my takeaway is I think that Damien Willems uh, is going to be one of the best fly halves that um, Safka has produced in the modern era, um, but he isn't there yet. I think that he should not be selected for the Springboks this year. I think he should go to the Junior Springbok World Cup. Uh, yeah. Ooh, I think he needs another year. Though. I think he needs another year to marinate mm-hmm. um, before he could be in contention for the World Cup next year. I know that generally we would say you know we only have a year to prepare, get him in the in the system. But I don't think that's a problem with a player like him. I think you could pick him the day before a game and he'll perform for you if he's ready. And I think the best way to get him ready is to give him another year in the juniors. And I think Robert Dupree. Latest update on the box barometer, Robert Dupree has <laughs> just jumped just jumped over Damien Willemse. Yeah. And it's yeah. not just performance-wise, it, it's also BMT. So mm. Damien Willemse lacks BMT, and, and Andre Pollard has it in buckets. Yeah, and Elton Yankees, you better start looking over your shoulder, uh, Robert Dupree. I'm just curious, though, um, does taking Willemse on that sort of apprenticeship role mm. on tour and that, does that I don't, I don't preclude the value. No, but does it preclude him from um, junior box? I think I think it does because I think it, the junior World Cups normally played over the same time as the um, August internationals or the mid-year internationals. Yeah. Okay, then it yeah, then it then yeah, then it hundred percent cements it that he doesn't need to go on that. I I think there's a huge I think there's a lot of value in the apprenticeship position taking players for that role. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it has any value for Damien Willems honestly because I think he has the the attitude or the mindset that you can just put him in the team, it, like, as, as, as just as a player. Like, I don't think he needs to be mentored. I think he needs to be playing rugby. Yeah, um, no, he does. No, he does. He so, just yeah. needs match experience, really. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we could look at end of your tour uh, as, as a player. All Blacks, I mean, they've done it the last couple of yeah, years. They, they didn't do it last season, but I, I tend to agree. Not right now. Uh, not right now, so. Um, yeah, that's what I've been saying this whole time as well. Just <laughs> calling it, putting it out there. Uh, just say from day one from Ish. day one uh, alright that's going to wrap it up for the, this uh, Easter edition of Elite Directly Panther uh, Matt and Alex thank you very much for joining me I, will, I hope you guys have a very restful rest of the day since I know we're recording a little bit earlier uh, than expected um, and uh, yeah that's going to wrap it up Matt uh, thank, thanks uh, have a good afternoon thank you yeah I've still got an hour to wait before I get to go to a bra I mean I'm upset about this. Yeah, I'm I'm chilling I'm chilling at home, probably free drinks, defrosting the fridge, <laughs> maybe maybe drinking some um, wine at the at the same time. Uh, <laughs> Alex, what do you want? I'll, 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 thank you for the insight to the exciting life you <laughs> Yeah, it's very exciting. And uh, Alex, are you well, doing anything exciting today? You know uh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a late uh, no I was, gonna, I was about to say it's a late lunch, but it isn't. I'm gonna have lunch and then I'm probably gonna nap while I watch the cricket. Oh, nice with uh, the, with Rico. Nice. With Rico Meow. With Rico Meow only. Yeah, keeping keeping you company. Uh, that, yeah, that's it. Thank, thanks for listening. You can check us out on iTunes, Acast, and 
uh, where else are we? Oh, SoundCloud. That's actually where our main account is. <laughs> uh, rate, like, and uh, rate, like, and comment. We will try bringing the fantasy edition as soon as humanly possible. It might come a little bit later this week uh, as uh, Fox also catch up with the Easter festivities. But thanks for listening, and we will catch you uh, next week. Uh, Godspeed, especially to the Blues. They're going to need it. <laughs>